Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. We're doing our Asking for a Friend series where we basically got you to ask your questions that you would like to ask for a friend. Uh, and this week we're looking at the big idea of... Uh, there's kind of a few questions that we're packed into one and as we uh, travel through the sermon I'll actually stop and highlight, okay, this was actually a question that got asked and then we'll kind of perhaps answer it as it fits what we're going through. But the big kind of overarching question is this, why is there so much disagreement in the church? Can't we all just love each other and get along? Unity is the key, right? Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so very good to us, that you have given us your son, that you have called us to be a new people, that uh, your people everywhere are your church, uh, your fellowship together. And we pray that as we uh, look at these questions tonight and as we unpack uh, some of your word, that you would help us to think rightly, uh, that you would help us to be encouraged and built up in our purpose, vision and unity, what it is that you have and want for your church. And we acknowledge that uh, we continually uh, triumphantly every day stuff up and get it wrong and and rely on your grace Uh, and so we know that many people have been hurt by churches in the past and we know that many people will be hurt in the future because we are sinful broken people but we thank you for your goodness to us in that uh, we are not your people because of how good we are but we are your people because of how tightly we're held by you lord amen um If you have a Bible or if you uh, can read along on the screen or if you just want to listen, that's awesome as well. But we're just going to start in 1 Corinthians. uh, I think I told you 1 Corinthians 10. I I meant 1.10. Sorry. So the screen's not going to be correct. It will be in just a second. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 to 25. And basically... This text, uh, I could, we could just read this text and that would be the sermon and we could all have an early dinner and maybe we'll take a vote at the end of the reading and you could say, yep, we're done, answers the questions. <laughs> um, this this uh, scripture really unpacks a lot of these questions for us. Um, some of the questions tonight around, you know, why is there division in the church? Why, uh, why is there not unity and why is... Christ, in fact, the only way. Uh, why is Christianity like? Why is that? Why? Do, how can you say that's true? So, um, I don't know, let's just start here. First Corinthians ten, chapter uh, chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten. That was the confusion. <clears throat> I appeal to you, brothers, and brothers in this sense is is women. Your brothers in this sense, we mean the Christian brother, the brotherhood of. Faith. So I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cyphas. 
I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. Love the side notes. It's great. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where's the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and and folly to the Gentiles. But, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we're done, right? Yeah. (laughs) Why is there divisions in the church? Why are we not unified? Can't we all just love each other and get along? And uh, how can you go ahead and, and say that Christ is the only way to God? What makes you think that Christianity is the only way? Someone asked this, this exact question, what makes you think that Christianity is the only way? I can see there's certainly a God, but why this God? And someone else asked, why are there so many religions? Why is your religion more special than others. We're going to start there with that kind of Christ among the gods question and hopefully arrive at the church and then look at our unity as well. You know, Jesus doesn't play nice with others in one sense. Um, If you want to seek to be a follower of Jesus... He's either Lord of all of your life or he's Lord of none of it. The, the kind of spirit of our age, or just to not use such church, churchy terminology, because let's not just be that. Um, the kind of culture, the kind of uh, prevailing wisdom of our age is that it's okay to have a little bit of Jesus, some wisdom of Jesus, probably let's not have any Christians or church because... We don't like those, but let's have a little bit of the wisdom of Jesus, a little bit of the wisdom of Buddha, a little bit of our favorite parts of Islam, a little bit of our favorite parts of spirituality, and let's just say, you know what? Isn't the message of all of these religions be nice? 
do good. What is the difference between Jesus and religions? Why Jesus? Jesus said it of himself in John 14, chapter 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's very clear, he wasn't saying a way, a truth, a life, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's kind of polite in our modern society to put out the idea that it's okay for you to have your strongly held belief as long as you actually don't hold it strongly in front of anyone else. And in our current modern society, we have a perverted idea of tolerance. Tolerance used to mean that you can believe strongly what you want to believe, and I'll believe strongly something different, but we're still actually going to respect each other, get along with each other, and discuss. But in the modern age, the idea of tolerance has actually shifted to a different belief system altogether. Now tolerance means accepting the truth of relativism. Tolerance no longer means accepting difference, but it actually now means accepting a new belief system whereby nothing uh, can be put forward as being true. <coughs> so when uh, Christians or, in fact, people of any religion uh, state their belief and say, this is what I believe, uh, and I don't think that any other religions are true, they are called intolerant. When, in fact, being intolerant, we'd be saying to someone who believed a different faith, you're not allowed to believe that. So we have, as a culture over the last 30 years, this, this terminology has shifted. And so there are some who would want to promote the idea of Jesus as being equal to or on the same footing as just another wise teacher among other gods. But Jesus will not have that. And why I believe Jesus over other philosophies or other religions or other ways of thought is this. Jesus is not just a religion. Because religion is actually all about us somehow working through a system, and I'm generalising here, but it all generally comes down to this. It's about us trying to earn something or make something of ourselves, trying to find our way to God or to emptiness or to peace through our own efforts and merits. And while I think that, why I think that Jesus is, is more, um, if you use the term of the question, special than any other religion is because Jesus is not about what we do, but about what he's done for us. That's why Jesus is so much better than any other religion, because he alone can provide security and assurance that we can know the Father, that we can know God. Again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we actually find that um, in Christianity there's this, there's this tension 
between the exclusivity of Christ and the inclusivity of the gospel. Jesus is both wildly outrageously exclusive and wildly outrageously inclusive. Whether you are uh, Jew, Greek, slave, free, or perhaps to modernise these categories, no matter what cultural background you come from, what religious upbringing you were brought up in your home, no matter what ethnic identity you're a part of, no matter who you are, where you're from, you are welcome to accept Christ. And he is calling people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus is radically inclusive. There is no one who is barred from coming to faith in Christ. But Jesus is also radically exclusive because he says that he alone is the door, is the gate. He alone is the path to salvation. And that is an incredibly offensive thing to say in our culture. But I believe in Jesus because he alone is the God who didn't just open the door for me, but he is the God who came after me and smashed down my door and picked me up out of my state and carried me out of the burning building. He's not the God who stands outside the building saying, save yourself and come out. He's the God who intervenes and comes in and smashes down our doors and picks us up and carries us to safety. But if we really believe this, if we as the Christian church really believe that Jesus is the only true God, the only path to salvation, what does that mean for us? If we really believe it, then we should be sharing that. And the least loving thing we could do is to not share it, if we really believe it. We need to be not ashamed of that gospel message. Uh, Paul, one of the apostles, writes in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And in this context, Greek means everyone who's not Jew. If it is true... As offended as people may be by you saying that Jesus is the only way to salvation, there is no shame in that. And if it is true that Jesus alone is the only way to salvation, then we need to, as a church, stand up and defend and define that truth. And that's where uh, the, we'll kind of, <coughs> we have balloons. Um, we'll pivot the sermon on this point and head towards unity in the church. And that's that um, 1 Timothy verse 6, 20 to 21, uh, Paul, an apostle, was writing to a, a younger leader and encouraging him in this way. He says, O Timothy, I like the fact the O is there as well, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, the deposit being the gospel about Jesus. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you.
Why is there not unity in the church? Why, if Jesus is our one Lord, if he is the way, the truth, the life, and if we are found in God through Jesus, why is the church not just one big happy family? Well, that's a very, very varied question. But just a basic history lesson is we are in 1054 AD, the east and the west of the church split uh, over what is called the Philoquy uh, from the Nicene Creed. So basically, the church in the east and the church in the west um, disagreed about a piece of doctrine, which was whether or not the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son, or just from the Father. Seems a bit silly, doesn't it? But these things really do matter. And so from there, we have the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. That's when that kind of split was really solidified. So... From that, then, we also, uh, in the 1500s, have the Protestant Reformation, whereby we end up with as many denominations as you can have Christians, pretty much. So why has this happened? What is unity in the Christian church in the age of every denomination? What is unity in the church? And can we have unity with different denominations? What does it mean to be a unified church? I want to put forward the idea that the church is actually one, regardless of what name we call ourselves, regardless of the colour of the logo above our building. The true church of Jesus Christ is one because it is founded on one gospel. United in one Lord and indwelt by one Holy Spirit. Um, the church's unity is constantly under threat because we have a tendency to want to divide and have our own way. But our unity needs to be continually maintained and actively expressed in our fellowship of meeting together and the way we treat Christians in other churches. So where do we find our unity? Is there such a thing as unity in the church? And I say, yes, the church is one because we are all united to Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and verses 20 say this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12, 20, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What's the deal with unity in the church? Well, the church is unified because we are in Christ. We need to, as a church, make sure that we are always unified around Christ and his gospel. We cannot unify around a social cause or a shared style of doing worship, but we can unify around Jesus. In fact, he is our only true unity. In fact, 
This is one thing that is particularly unique about the church because the church transcends all of society's usual barriers. If we look around this room, we may not be the most diverse bunch of people in this room, but also even just take a minute, stop looking at me, look at each other just for a minute. Don't be... All right. Don't want to point anyone out, <coughs> Sam. Um, but can you think of any reason why this bunch of people would gather in this room apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ? The church is a miracle in essence because we are all united in Christ and there is no other reason for us to be together. Colossians 3.11 says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, but barbarian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The church is one body because we are all in Christ, not because we all like Pop-Tarts. Although, who doesn't love Pop-Tarts, right? And this unity that we have is part of the Trinity. Ephesians 2, verse 16 to 18 says, that it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility that is between us and God. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, that's Jesus, we, have bo- we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Our unity with Jesus, it is through Jesus, through the work of the Spirit in us and through the work of Christ on the cross that unites us with the Father. And so our unity as individual believers as a church is because we are all united with God through Jesus Christ. There is actually purpose behind this unity. Our unity is meant to be a display of the glorious grace of Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful if a visitor could come in off the street and actually look at this body of people unified together and think to themselves, why are these people together? And that would be a sign to them of God at work. John seventeen twenty three says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And so our unity, Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he's praying that is meant to be so that the world will know. that the Son was sent by the Father and that we are loved even as the Father loves the Son. Our unity is also meant to lead us towards maturity in Christ. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our being together, our unity in Christ is meant to be to help mature us. And I'll unpack, that, uh, I'll unpack that just a little bit now, is that we cannot be members of the church without actually having unity with other Christians. We cannot be healthy members of the church without having membership or having unity with other Christians. And it's because even though we annoy each other, even though 
uh, we hassle each other, even though we get in each other's faces, you are actually a gift to each other in terms of your maturity. Because it's not really until other people get in your way, bother you, offend you, tick you off, that God actually often points out uh, your own anger, your own sin. And so we are in doing life together, in people getting in your face, in people getting in your way, in people bothering you at all weird hours of the night, in God's own special way, he is using that to mature you. And that's one of the reasons we so highly value our discipleship groups is because we want people to be in each other's lives so that you can have the benefit of other people ticking you off. That's not just one of the reasons is that we need other people in our life because they will help point out sin in our life so that we can grow together in faith. The church's unity that we have locally here in this place is expressed as our fellowship, as our gathering together. We've got to get together. Someone asked, as a Christian, can I just be in the global church or do I need to be a part of a local church? It's a really good question. So we're saying that the unity in the church becomes because we're all united in Christ. So isn't it enough just to be, okay, well, I'm, I've got Christ, that's enough, I'm part of the church. If we open the word of God, there are 59 one another sayings or commands given in the Bible about things that we are meant to do for or with or to one another. Things like love one another, serve one another, encourage one another. I just want to challenge and encourage anyone who would consider that they could be a Christian in isolation, how they're going to carry out these commands of Jesus by themselves. You can't love one another by yourself. Life gets messy when you have other people in it. And I want to encourage you, if you are uh, here and you're a visitor and you've just walked in thinking, you know what, I'm going to give church one more go because uh, I've been to churches before and I've been hurt and I'm just going to come in and give it one more go and perhaps these people will be loving and not hurt me. Um, Or perhaps uh, you might be listening on the podcast Um, So I'm looking at you, but I'm talking to them. Um, You might be listening on the podcast and think, well, I'll listen to sermons, but I won't go to a church and I won't get involved because I've been hurt. Um, I just want to challenge you with this. What did you expect? If you've been hurt by a church in the past, what did you expect? Did you expect a church full of nice people? Did you expect a church full of sinless people? Because honestly, if you are looking for a church full of sinless people, you will ruin it by becoming a member. (laughs) Now, that's not to say that there aren't legitimate abuses in churches where the culture is toxic and the leadership is toxic and people need to get out and they need to leave. Um, But I just want to encourage you that if you have been hurt by a church or by Christians in the past, don't give up on community because you will continue to get hurt by other people but in Christ we have grace for one another. And by Christ, in Christ we have uh, hopefully maturing lives with one another. We're not making an excuse for hurt. We're not going to sit here and say, you know what, it's okay to hurt one another because uh, it's inevitable. It's not okay. People need to repent and turn from their sin. But the reality is until Christ comes again, we're all works in progress. And so if you are scared off of church because you're worried about getting hurt, Um, 
you will never ever commit and be a member anywhere. And if you find a church where you think it is full of perfect people, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and in fact you're going to end up being the one that hurts the other people. (laughs) So I want to encourage you, yes, be a part of a local church because we need to have fellowship with one another. Our fellowship is expressed by meeting together. In Acts 2, we see, um, Acts 2, verse 46, and day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And in verses 44, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. We have fellowship through being with one another, through sharing resources with one another and through suffering with one another. And there are actually specific things that we do in our church to express our fellowship and unity. We uh, share in communion. We participate in Christ. And later on in the service, we're going to participate in communion. 1 Corinthians ten sixteen to 17 says... The cup of blessing that we bless is not a partic- is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And so our taking of communion is an expression of our unity. Our baptism is an expression of our unity. We are all baptized into one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We extend hospitality. But we know that there are divisions in the church and there is not unity. Romans 16, 16, 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So divisions are caused by heretical leaders and divisions are caused by a spirit that wants to separate, a partisan spirit. First Corinthians 3, verses 3 and 4 says, For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not merely being human? We've got to make sure that we don't put our church above Jesus. In their day, they were saying, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. Perhaps in our day, we might say, I follow City Light or I follow the other church or I follow one particular preacher or I follow this author. Do we not follow Christ? And so we need to be careful that in our church especially and in all churches that we do not think that we are the only ones with the truth. We don't follow our teaching, we don't follow our preaching, we don't follow our way of doing things in the church, we follow Jesus. And so we need to be united with other Christians in our city and other Christians in our world because we don't follow our teaching, we follow the teaching of Christ, which hopefully lines up with that, but it's not always going to, and we need to be corrected by Jesus. So we need to be united. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and with the same judgment. So we have a call to be united, but united around what? 
Are there acceptable divisions or differences in the church? So there are, in fact, secondary matters of conscience that I think Christians are called to respect each other and not judge each other. There are things that are not what you would say as doctrine that is essential to salvation. Romans 14 speaks of this. It says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. See, vegetarians? Anyway. (laughs) Joking. (laughs) Let no one... Oh, See, I'm about to rebuke myself. Let no one who eats despise the one who abstains. (laughs) (laughs) And let the one who abstains not pass judgment on he who eats, for God has welcomed him. So that's talking about food laws, but there's so many things in the church where we pass judgment on other Christians for the way they do things and the way they practice things that in reality have nothing to do with the gospel. But there are actually some necessary divisions in the church, and this is why we have not apparent unity in the church. 2 Corinthians 11 says, I feel, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, for since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning... Your thoughts will be led astray from a, sincere, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the, from the one you accepted, and you put up with it readily enough, indeed I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way I have made this plain to you in all things. What he's talking about here is he's come and presented the gospel, the plain gospel about Jesus Christ, who he is, and then others have come in and and taught things saying about Jesus that are not true. And the same thing happens uh, today. The reason why we have apparent disunity in the church is because there are people that use the name of Jesus but do not know the gospel. Galatians 1, verses 6 to 9, again, he, talk, he talks, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who troubled you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. For I have said, we have said to you, and we've said it before, I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Someone asked, should I encourage my friend to stay in their church? I'm not sure it even is a church. We have apparent disunity in the church because, um, partly because of the jealousy and rivalry that we just shouldn't have because we need to be about Jesus, but sometimes because there are those who present themselves as churches or who present themselves as teaching about Jesus who do not know Jesus. We need to be sure. And this is why we did our First John Proof of Life series, that we know the gospel about who Jesus is. That Jesus, who is God, came to earth, incarnate, 
died in our place for our sins, rose from the grave, defeating Satan, sin and death, and is reigning victorious forever. Colossians 2.8 says, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Sometimes the church isn't united as not all those who say they are church actually are church. And we need to be wise and discerning. 1 Timothy 6 verses 3 to 5 says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Why is there not unity in the church? The truth is there is unity in the church because the church's unity is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Anything outside of Jesus, any Christian who is not actually connected to Jesus is not actually a Christian and not actually a part of the church. The church is unified because the church is the body of Christ. The church is unified because the church are those who are found in Jesus Christ. We're going to close this part of the message and enter into worship by taking communion and it's in our unity with Jesus that we have unity with each other we call it communion because it's our common union with Christ and so in this church uh, we reserve communion only for those who are Christian and that's because we are celebrating and remembering the common union that we have with Jesus Uh, so if you're here and you're not a Christian you are 100% welcome to be here but this is the one part of our worship service that we're reserved just for those who are in Christ because we are remembering and celebrating the union we have with Christ. And so uh, as we partake in communion, I would encourage you to consider who Christ is and all that he's done for you, um, to remember it is in him that we are unified to each other and the body, and to continually lay aside uh, all the things that are not of him and come back to Jesus every single time. We're going to continue to worship together through communion. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are uh, so kind and generous to us that you gave us your son, that in Jesus you are building a new people for yourself from every tribe, tongue, nation, that it does not matter who we are, where we've been, but that we are found a part of your church, we are found in Christ because of his great love and not because of anything we have done ourselves. We pray we could have unity in you, Lord, that you would um, make clear the gospel in our hearts and minds again. And we thank you that we have unity with believers all over the world throughout all times because of our common union with Christ. We pray that you would continue to build your church up uh, in love, in fellowship, that we could be a sign to the world of your great grace and goodness. Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.